This is the Smooth Operator Podcast. I'm Adam Liette, Director of Operations for a seven-figure online business and eight-year veteran of Army Special Operations. On this show, we get into the tactical nitty-gritty of what it really takes to run a thriving online business because at the end of the day, operators lead the way. Hello, welcome back to Smooth Operator. I'm Adam Liette. So glad to have you joining us today as we continue going through Cialdini's persuasion and the different level levers of persuasion and influence that we can employ uh, as team leaders, as people running companies. So one of my main motivations for doing this, if, if you haven't listened to the previous couple of episodes, I would just recommend going back a couple of, uh, just a couple of episodes and kind of seeing this from the beginning, uh, be- because I talk about like why we're approaching it uh, through a different lens. Typically, when we talk about influence and persuasion, you know, in this industry, we're typically talking about marketing. Well, but there's other factors of influence and persuasion that we do have to look at in that we are in the people business. We have team members working for us, with us. And how can we best use these different levers of influence within our own teams? So Cialdini calls those weapons of influence, but obviously words mean things. So let's not use that particular term with our teams. But uh, we move into the second lever of influence uh, from Cialdini, and that's commitment and consistency. So I really love these two, and there's a whole lot that we can do within our team management. Uh, We're actually going to start with uh, consistency. That's what I want to dive into first. What Cialdini says, uh, this one lies deep within us, directing our actions with quiet power. It is quite simply our nearly obsessive desire to be and to appear consistent with what we have already done. I think we've all seen this in our own lives. It's the reason that habits are so habits form so quickly and are so powerful in our lives uh, because it's a consistent uh, behavior that we do. And once it maintains that consistency over a period of time, it's almost like you're not thinking about it. Um, You see this a lot with uh, smokers. You know, smokers, it's very hard to quit when they're drinking coffee, for example. Whatever they have um, associated smoking with, you know, those things become the hardest times to not smoke. Uh, so, but how can we do this in our teams? So what I've really liked to do is to make sure that I'm building out task lists and SOPs for my team as much as possible and letting them work from that. Because once they get used to working from an SOP, once they get used to working from a task list, you know, it becomes almost automatic. Task lists repeat themselves and eventually they're going to do things by rote, you know, just by muscle memory, even though muscles don't have memory, but that's a whole other subject. But it's really the consistency of their actions that make that valuable. Uh, You also want to look at consistency as far as team uh, functions go. So team meetings, uh, team reports, like when things are coming up on the calendar within your team, you do want to strive for consistency on those because, you know, People do plan their lives around it, and when it becomes a consistent action, I, I know when I was running a team, we had a team meeting every single Monday, and if we didn't, it didn't feel like a Monday after a while. So look for con- uh, ways to build consistency into your team functions, and that will really take you a long way. Another thing, especially when we're talking about SOPs, uh, one thing from the book is that there is no expedient to which a man will not resort to avoid the real labor of thinking. 
<laughs> this happens so often with the tasks that we have to do within our businesses where it it does take that moment to have to think about how to do something. But when we have it working from a checklist, from an SOP, from a do this, then that level of, uh, of functioning at, for the teams, for, uh, for your team members, what happens is that the consistency tapes kick into business and your team members will happily go along with what they're supposed to do, even if it does require thinking, because you're actually excusing them from having to think too much. They're able to work from that checklist, from that uh, SOP that you did create for them. All right, so that's uh, just a real quick, easy way of why SOPs work so well. Um, we get into something that I'm a big believer in, and that's daily task lists and routines. Um, I've, I'm a strong advocate for my team members having ways that they always start their workday, ways that they always end their workday. And having it all almost systematized, where if they have four or five repeatable tasks that they do every day, or it's scheduled into their week at a certain time, that we aim from the beginning to have that be scheduled and have that go in the same order every time at the same time of their workday. And I really stress that it should be user generated. So as the director of operations, I would often work with my team members through one-to-one meetings where we would create their routines, create their daily task lists. So the, it was actually my team member that was creating it. I was just there in a support role, uh, someone to push them along, to guide them along that path of creating their routines. And one thing that is critical here in having it be user-generated is that what Cialdini says is once a stand has been taken, the need for consistency pressured these people to bring what they felt and believed into line with what they had already done. They they simply convinced themselves that they had made the right choice and felt better about it all. You're allowing them to make that choice of what they're going to be doing. And even if they do, well, not if, but when they do have noise or something that's uh, threatening to pull them off what they had done before, just the fact that they made that decision themselves makes it much more likely that they're going to follow through with their daily task list and routines because it was uh, user generated. Two other things I really like to do as far as consistency goes is I like to maintain a common operational picture from project to project. Uh, I do this through the use of templates. So no matter what the project is, uh, it could be a marketing project, could be a new course creation, could be a masterclass. You know, it doesn't really matter. The, th- the, the key is that all of these projects have a template that we're working from. So we're not recreating the wheel every time. And my team knows when they go in to look at that project, it looks like every other project that, they, that they've done. That consistency is like a nice warm blanket around them. And quite frankly, from my perspective as the operator, it's a very nice warm blanket for me too. I'm able to work from the same place. Um, But your team wants that as well. So forming and keeping a common operational picture will really help you. And if you need to make slight adjustments here and there, that's fine. The point is that we start from the same picture and those differences will stick out like a sore thumb, in a very positive way, uh, your team members will uh, definitely pay more attention to those. The final thing to do with consistency is really about verbal cues. So when I'm in team meetings, when I'm talking about what we have coming up as as a a team or various projects that we're doing, 
I'll use verbal cues when I'm making those assignments. For example, if we have a group coaching call, I'll say, and we'll have the group coaching call on Friday, so-and-so will host as usual. Any questions on that? And so just by that simple phrase, as usual, like, oh, gotcha, that is my usual thing. Very small, little kind of nuanced thing, but just putting those verbal cues into your communications will go a long way into just reminding people this is not new, you've done this before, it really takes a lot of the anxiety out of a task and also just reinforces the fact that, yes, I have done this before. This is my job. This is my task. And I'll happily go about it. All right. That brings us to commitment. So everything is more powerful when we do have a commitment to something. As um, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Garrett White, where he was talking about if we want to look at our results If we ever question our results, we have to ask ourselves, were we 100% committed to the results? Our commitment level is in direct proportion to the results that we achieve. So there's a whole lot we can do here from a team perspective. So there's a couple things that we often have within our teams is we have things like mission statements. And uh, one thing that we use on my team is a client-centric mission where it's, it's the mission from the perspective of the clients, like what we do. So the mission statement itself is usually like one or two sentences. The client-centric mission, it's much more developed. So what can we do with this? So both of these things, I really don't like how we often do this in companies where we draft up a mission statement, it goes on the About Us page on the website, and it will never be spoken of again. No, mission statements and client-centric missions should be repeated and reinforced throughout the business journey. So I do this on a regular basis where we'll begin a meeting by uh, repeating our mission statement just to put everyone back onto that same stage. I not only have us repeat the commitment or the mission statement during a meeting, but I will ask my team members to do it as well. It makes them an active part of this, whereby verbalizing it, they're actually taking a stand. They're taking a stand saying, yeah, this is our mission. This is our, this is what we're doing. They are by verbalizing it, taking that stand with you. Uh, I often, I do encourage when people are coming on board with the team, have them sign on. Yes, I believe in this mission and actually write down, sign on. Yes, I will sign on to this. The other thing I like to do is I like to have our team share wins and uh, different testimonials that we're receiving from our students, from the people in our programs. And it's one thing just to like copy and paste them onto a board where everyone can see them. It's quite another thing for them to be verbalized by a team member and for team members to actually go out and be on the lookout for those testimonials, for those wins, so they can share them on the team. This reinforces the commitment we've made to our, our students the results that they're getting, and their part in getting those results. All right. As managers, one thing that we I, I don't we don't talk about enough, but we actually will be talking about this on Friday's episode. We have a great interview coming up on careers. Ask yourself, when you're doing like team reviews, are you ever going about goal setting or career path goals? Like what are your team members' actual goals? with the organization? If you're saying no, it's okay. I I didn't do this for a while either. 
but we do want to be leaning forward with our team and thinking about their goals, thinking about what they want to accomplish on the team. Here's where most managers get it wrong is we have this, especially in the military, holy crap, they're terrible at it. We have this prescribed career path for our team and where we think that they'll be going next. And we tell them what some of their goals should be rather than allowing them to own it. So what I'd like to encourage you to do is when you're going through counselings, when you're going through career or uh, performance reviews, you need to try to make sure that this is being generated or at least or reinforced by your team members. So a common practice that I would do is we would be working from a Google Doc on their goals, on where they see themselves going on what they would like to be doing more of but I would have the team member actually write it down, be able to put it into their own words. So we might be talking about this as kind of a group collaborative effort or you know, subordinate to a boss perspective, but ultimately it's them that are making that goal, writing down their career path. Because there is a goal for, you know, there is something happens that when you do write something down yourself. So if people are setting a goal, writing it down themselves, they have a bit more ownership of that and they have a bigger lane of commitment. Uh, things that you're going to be there, they are naturally then more committed to actually achieving. So use that in their self, in your, in your reviews and assessments that you're doing. And I also really encourage doing self-assessments where you're allowing the team member, giving them a framework to kind of grade themselves. How are they doing on this task? How are they doing with their accountability? How are they doing with their time management? Those kinds of things. You let them kind of take that moment to reflect on their own commitment, on their own workflows, and literally tell you what they think about their own work. Let them let assessments be self-driven. And then you might have some additional things to add to that, of course. But by having it be self, uh, uh, self-driven assessment, they're more likely to have a commitment to achieving broader goals, and broader improvements. And another, uh, one final thing I do have is there's always this little thing that happens on our team where someone runs into a problem. Someone runs into things that they can't solve and they need help. The funny thing happens is we often think that it's our job to not to maybe jump in and fix it for them or to you know quickly get someone else to jump in and fix it for them. I like to approach this from a different perspective though. If someone's having trouble with something, what I would do, for example, if if we got a customer service email and it was particularly nasty and not, the team member just didn't know how to respond to that. Instead of responding for them and putting it in writing, I'd pull up Loom and I'd talk through the problem. I'd go through the email and be like, okay, here's how I'd approach this. And just walk them through the process. Walk them through the various things that we can address in that problem and how you would solve it if it were on your desk. What a lot of people will do at that point is just say, well, they need help. I'll jump in and go do it. Take the time to teach them. Because what Cialdini tells us is that People have to go through a great deal of trouble or pain 
to attain something tend to value it more highly than persons who attain the same thing with a minimum of effort. It's really minimum of effort for them to hand things over to you and allow you or another team member to solve the problem for them. But if you show them and let them put forth the effort, they will value it more. They will not only be learning, but they will have a greater sense of ownership, a greater sense of value for what they were able to accomplish. So re- refrain yourself, hold yourself back from solving. Always be in a, in a leadership perspective of trying to show them to the right answer, to te- teach them of why it is this way, and then allow them to run with it. Allow them to own what their response is based upon the guidance that you give them. All right, so that's the last big one I have. A lot of really good ideas on what we can do about commitment and consistency uh, in our teams. Um, overall, when you do have a team that is commitment committed and is consistent in their actions, I'd say it makes running the team so much easier because things do happen in many ways on autopilot and much less is required of you. So I would encourage really diving into what your team is doing, finding ways to incorporate these two uh, principles into your team leading, um, into your team leading uh, practices and tactics and getting your team to uh, not only have that consistency, but be able to own the process a little more, which will lead to a greater sense of commitment. All right. Well, that finishes up Principle number two will be will continue on this series tomorrow and before we get to a break in this series for an interview on Friday. Um, again, we'll be doing this for about the next two weeks until we get through the various principles of influence by Cialdini. Uh, if you haven't picked up the book yet, I do encourage that. Uh, the link will be in the show notes, so do check it out at www.adamliet.com. And if you're enjoying this influence series, please do let us know. Please ask any questions that come about, and we'll find ways uh, to incorporate that into further training in the future. Thanks so much for joining me. Operators, go lead the way, and I will see you next time. Hey, before you bounce out of here, I have a free strategy session available exclusively for my podcast audience. In this 30-minute phone call, we'll unveil the immediate steps you can take to operationalize your business and put you back in the driver's seat. Just go to www.adamliette.com and click start here.